Good morning. Greetings in Christ's name. Appreciate the opening, Robert. Indeed, that is true. We are living in a time and in a place where it's difficult for people to appreciate truth because we have set our eyes on life, a life of ease and comfort rather than following Jesus. This morning I'd, I'd like to talk a little bit about liberty. Do you like to be free? Yeah, I think everyone likes to be free. I, you know, I, I think I mentioned to some of you that I, I spoke to a young man that spent some years in prison here recently, and he just talked a little bit about his experience. And, and one of the most difficult things about prison is that you cannot do what you want to do. You follow somebody else's plan, not your own. Everybody likes liberty. It was. You know, it was about, it was almost 250 years ago when Patrick Henry, on March the 23rd of 1775, said to the Virginia House of Burgesses at St. John's Church, he said, is life so dear or peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery? Forbid it, Almighty God. I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. He wanted to live in freedom or not at all. And I think that's something that we all feel in our hearts. It's God has made us to be free. But then the question arises, what really is liberty? What is freedom? I, I was uh, recently looking at um, a case that is in the news right now. Maybe some of you have seen it and been watching it, I'm not sure, but there's, a, there's an actor by the name of Johnny Depp, and he's suing his former wife, whose name is Amber Heard. He's suing her for $500 million because he, his fortune at one point was about $650 million, and today it is, uh, it, it's worth considerably less than that, about $160 million. And he says that a large part of that is because of some things that she said about him. She wrote an op-ed in, uh, I forget which magazine it was, but she talked about the fact that she had been abused. And she didn't name him, but kind of implied that it was him. And so he's suing her. And, and I was watching a little bit of that because it fascinates me to see how these people think. You know, if, if freedom is what many people define it as, then freedom is this. Freedom is the ability to do whatever I want, whenever I want it, and however I want. That's, to them, that is freedom. That's sort of, if you were to stop somebody on the street in America today, that's probably the typical answer you would get. To be free means that I can do whatever I want to. Well, there's a certain truth to that. But let's think about this for just a moment. If... If it's true that freedom is the ability to do whatever I want, whenever I want, then Johnny Depp and Amber Heard should be some of the freest people in the world, right? Because he's worth about $160 million. She's worth about $8 million. So they have financial freedom, right? They can do things that you and I can only dream of in terms of buying power and, and, and doing what we want. They can go where they want to go. They can enjoy vacations when they want to. They can buy houses when they want to. They have all this financial freedom. They live in a country 
where there are virtually no laws governing any kind of sexual morality anymore. Kind of goes back to what Robert was talking about. You can do whatever you want to as long as there are two consenting adults. I guess that's a stretch of the word adult in some cases, but as long as you have two consenting adults, you can do pretty much whatever you want and the law will not harm you. And, and not only that, but our, our culture is rapidly throwing away the stigma that used to go with sexual immorality. And I, I can remember when I was in high school, I, you know, it was when a, when a girl had a child out of wedlock, uh, that, was a, that was a bad thing, but not the case anymore. That has changed. We're in a culture where that's, there's really no uh, control over what you do sexually or in any, any kind of pleasure. They can drink whatever they want to drink. They can take, even in, in the case of these two, when you have that much money, there are ways that you can get the drugs you want. And you can take whatever drugs you want. So they should be really, really free, right? The freest people in the world. And yet, if you listen to just about 15 minutes of testimony in that trial, you will quickly realize that these people are not free at all. They are not free. Both of them, in various ways, you know, one of them is, is a, a person given to addiction and fits of rage and just, just a hard-driven, angry person. The other one, I would say, is a narcissist who thinks that she's the center of the universe and will do anything to get her way and to manipulate people. And they will both admit, and they do admit freely in their testimony, that they do things that they don't really want to do. So are they free? Is that freedom? Is that liberty? I would, I would suggest that these are some of the least free people in the world. That they are not at all free. So then what is liberty? What is freedom? Our hearts long for it. They really do. If someone would stick me in a cage or if we had a totalitarian government where I was told, you know, what, what I have to think, that is happening increasingly, what I can say, I don't like that. I chafe against that because that's not freedom. But what truly is liberty? What is freedom? And I'd like to look at a scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, just briefly, that talks about liberty. The New Testament talks quite a bit about liberty and what it really is. He's speaking in, Paul's speaking in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning at verse 15. He's talking about the spirit versus the letter of the law. And he's saying, but even unto this day when Moses is read, or when the law of Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. So he makes it clear here that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There's freedom where God's spirit exists. Let's read on a little bit more. Galatians chapter 5 speaks of liberty. He starts out the chapter by saying, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty of 
wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. So there were Judaizers in Paul's day who were trying to convince the church that the only way to please Christ was to go back into the Mosaic law. And Paul spoke strongly against that. In fact, he said at one point that if you, if you are circumcised for that reason, you've left the faith of Christ because you have decided that you need something more than Jesus to save you. And he's saying, stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has called you. And then in verse 13, he speaks more about that liberty. He says, for brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not that liberty for an occasion to the flesh, by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one another. This I say then, walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that you would. Wait a minute. I thought liberty was being able to do what you want to do. But Paul is saying here, stand fast in liberty. And then he goes on and says, you can't do the things that you want to do. So how is that liberty? And yet it is. Notice he's talking here about using the freedom that we have in Christ. Freedom from the law, freedom from sin. Using that liberty not as an occasion to the flesh. Because there, were, there are people who do that. They say, I'm free in Christ, right? So since I'm free in Christ, I'm saved. I can do what I want. And they continue to live as if they weren't free in Christ, and soon they're not. So he says, use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Someone said it this way. said that liberty is not the power to do as we please but the power to do as we ought. Another way to put that would be to say that liberty is not to be whatever we want, but to be what God has created us to be. And that is real freedom. When we are in that place where we are where God wants us to be, there is a freedom of mind. There is, there is the ability to be what God wants you to be and to be what you want to be at that point because you want to be where God calls you. Jesus said in John 8, verse 34 to 36, Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth ever. If the son, therefore, shall make you free, what? Ye shall be free indeed, truly free. And if, if, our, if the people in America could just understand that truth, our culture would be so much better off. But we think that we're free when we do whatever our heart desires, and we're not. That always brings misery and trouble. You know, we talked about Patrick Henry. It's interesting that the founding fathers of this country recognized the fact early on that if a society is not governed by God, that society cannot be free. 
it's not sustainable. Uh, John Adams talked about that in a speech in 1798. He said, we have no government armed with power capable of contending with human passions unbridled by morality and religion. Our constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. Isn't that interesting? Now today, if you say that, oh my goodness, you know, and, and that's why there's a movement on to, to even get rid of the Constitution because it was, you know, it was created by all these old white men, these rich white men who had slaves and were such bad people and, and we want to be truly free because the devil militates against that. He doesn't want people to understand that truth that you're not truly free unless you're governed by God. Now, someone said it this way, that he, the nation that refuses to be governed by God will be ruled by tyrants. And history has proven that to be true. And we see that happening in America. We are fast approaching a point where our society is ungovernable, except by a strong man who says, this is what you're going to do. And that's sad, because that means a loss of true liberty. <clears throat> Benjamin Rush, who was one of the signers of the Declaration of Independence, said as well, he said, the only foundation for a useful education in a republic is to be aid in religion. Without this, there can be no virtue, and without virtue, there can be no liberty, and liberty is the object and life of all republican governments. Without religion, I believe that learning does real mischief to the morals and principles of mankind. And we find that to be true. Our institutions of higher learning have become brainwashing places where students are taught things that are absolutely ridiculous. And when they got into the real world, they soon realized that what they've been taught in college is not true. I don't have a problem with college. I'm a college graduate myself. But I think that when you go to school, there need to be objectives and, and, and there needs to be a reason to go. Because if, if you simply go for the sake of going and you find yourself in a situation where your faith is challenged and you buy into this idea that liberty is the unbridling of human passion, you run into real trouble when you get into the real world because that's not how life works. So what is liberty? What are some of the things that God sets us free from? Well, one of those, of course, is freedom from sin. Romans 6, beginning at verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lusts thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members have instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness." So freedom actually entails servanthood. 
servanthood to righteousness, servanthood to God. And think about this for a moment. Think of what would happen if all men in the world would embrace this truth and would give their lives to Jesus Christ and would understand that you are truly free when you serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Think of what that would mean. We could close all of our prisons, right? There'd be no need for them. There would no longer be any war. We would no longer have to lock our doors or secure our computers or be careful of fraudulent activity. There would be billions of dollars available that are now tied up trying to secure our assets and our personal safety. There's just so many things that would be so different and we could truly be free. And in heaven, indeed, that's the way it will be. But without surrendering to Jesus Christ, we cannot become that way. It is impossible. Greg Lowry is a he's a pastor of a mega church in California, and and uh, I I like sometimes to listen to him because he has some good sermon illustrations that I can pick up on. And he had an interesting story. He some of his illustrations are kind of humorous. He talked about his son and the fact that his son bought a rat probably one of these white rats that you buy in pet stores. And he named him Nicodemus. I have no idea why he named him Nicodemus, but he named him Nicodemus and he had him at home in a cage. And his son felt sorry for the rat because, you know, the son had a bed to go into and had a house to live in and the rat was just in that cage. So he decided to build a house for the rat. And so he went to work, said his son was fairly artistic and he worked hard and he made a little house, a cute little house, and he put it in the cage. And he said that night before they went to bed, it was gratifying to see the rat go into his house too. But he said they got up the next morning and they ran over to the cage to see how the rat had fared and the house was gone, completely destroyed, had been all chewed to bits by the rat that night. He said, why did he do that? He said, because he's a rat. And so it is without coming to Jesus Christ, it is not possible to live in true liberty. And that, again, goes back to what the Founding Fathers said about our nation. Without being founded on Christ, you have a society that becomes ungovernable, except by dictators. So freedom from sin. Are you thankful? Are you grateful this morning for freedom from sin? The fact that you don't have to follow the dictates of your flesh. When we do that, when we become selfish and we follow the dictates of our flesh, we become difficult to live with, don't we? Because we drive for our own concerns. We don't care about other people. But when we follow Jesus Christ, we find true freedom to be the kind of person we want to be, truly. You know, I, I've, I've found this to be true over and over again. When I decide to do things my own way and I sort of push God aside, I always wind up regretting that because I always do things that I myself despise. And I look back and I say, why did I do that? I hate it when I do those things. I don't like being that way. Well, that's because I'm trying to find freedom in my own way. And then there's freedom from the law. Romans 8 speaks about that a lot, starting with verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak 
through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So here we are, set free from a law that tries or that, that is designed to constrain us. In the Old Testament, you had all of these laws that were applied, Levitical laws, some of them really kind of strange laws, and yet they were there to point people back to God. But they were laws that had to be obeyed, and if they were not obeyed, the penalty could be quite severe, up to death. In many cases, they dragged the person out in public and threw stones at him until he died. That's pretty severe. And that is a law that is designed to make you do what is right by physical constraint. But Paul tells us that that law was just a schoolmaster or a tutor or something designed to bring us to Christ. Because when you look at the Old Testament, you see that it is a story of failure on the part of the people of Israel. Sometimes they live successfully, they live by the law, but then they always fell away. And, he had, and God used that as a way to point us to the need for Christ. We have to have Jesus to set us free from a law that simply constrains us to the law of love that compels us from our hearts to do right. And then freedom from the fear of death. Have you ever been afraid of death? I remember a time in my life when I feared death. I was not a Christian. I was trying to find freedom in my own way. I was doing things that were evil. And I remember one night in particular, I remember it was almost morning, and I had gotten, I had stumbled into bed late at night after a night of evil, and I woke up, and the moon was shining in the west window of the house. It was a big full moon, and it was bright. And the first thing that came to my mind was that Jesus is returning. And I remember literally leaping out of bed because I was terrified. I knew I was not ready to face Jesus. And I was so relieved when I realized it was just the moon. Fear of death. God removes that. Hebrews 2, 14. For, for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest, in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For that, for in that he himself hath suffered, being tempted, he is able to suffer them that are tempted. So here we have this man, Jesus Christ, who is also God, who grows up and is tempted like we are. He understands temptation. He understands trouble. He understands living in this world. And he understands death because he experienced it. But by experiencing that death, he broke the power of death. I don't, I don't know what all happened during the time Jesus was in the grave, but it appears that he destroyed 
Satan's power in that time and took away from him the keys of death and hell, as the Bible says. So he had, he broke the power of death so that you and I need not fear death. A number of years ago, uh, Robert Miller, who was at that time a missionary to Guatemala, to the, some of the people in Guatemala, came to the school where I was working and he talked about, he talked to the students about being part of Christ's kingdom. And he said that in Guatemala at that time, there was a, a guerrilla group active and they were coming in to homes and they were holding the family at gunpoint and they were demanding that they tell them where their teenage sons were because they were looking for young men to draft into their military effort against the government of Guatemala. And the, the parents were hiding these boys because it was, it was a terrible thing for them to be forced at gunpoint into serving a, an enemy that they didn't want to serve. And so they came in and they, and they said, he said, this happened repeatedly. They would get a bunch of these families together and they would say, listen, we're serious about this. If you don't show us where these boys are, we're going to gun all of you down. And he said that the, the family, these, these families were Christians and they said, what? You're threatening us with heaven? Is that supposed to scare us? No, we're not going to tell you where the boys are. We're not going to help you because you are evil. What you're doing is evil. And we are not afraid of you because we do not fear death. And he said they'd walk away from there not sure what to do. Because how do you deal with someone who is not afraid of death? You can't threaten him with death because he doesn't fear it. Freedom from being controlled by peer pressure. You know, in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 12, for we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with them that commend themselves, but by measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Now, that's a mouthful and it's a little bit hard to follow, but he's basically saying, don't measure yourself by everybody else. Measure yourself by what the Lord Jesus Christ asks you to do. Go back to his word and use that as the measuring stick for your life. Another Greg Lowry story, he was talking about the fact that in Turkey, according to a news article, there was a large group of sheep that were being herded by shepherds and they were up on a cliff. And one of those sheep accidentally ran off the side of that cliff and 1,500 other sheep followed that sheep off the cliff one by one before the shepherds could stop them. He was saying, he said, you know, that seems so crazy to us. What part of logic would say it's a good idea just to follow your buddy over the cliff? But sheep are not logical. They're followers. And Jesus wasn't entirely complimentary of us when he called us sheep. He was in a sense, in a sense that we can be led. But he was also saying you can be led. And remember that. So he was saying that, you know, can you imagine? We do that sometimes. We follow the rest of the sheep over the cliff because of peer pressure. We do what everybody else is doing. You know, we look at what they're doing and we say, well, that doesn't look so bad. And we go over the cliff with them. Jesus Christ wants to be our Lord. And we are truly free when we follow Him. I want to close with some thoughts about physical freedom. Being set free physically. 
We are not truly free physically, are we? We are to an extent. America is the freest country in the world, and so we are free in many respects. But we are not entirely free physically. There are so many things that hem us in. And it's not just we who are not free, but it's all of creation. Paul talks about that, how creation is bound and groans in its captivity because of sin. And so in Romans 8, I'm going to read verses 16 to 21. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature or the creation waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature, or again the creation, was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope, because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. So he's speaking about creation, which is bound. It, you know, creation is beautiful. We love to sit and watch the, the, uh, the woods and watch deer come out of the woods. And yesterday, uh, the turkeys were active. And I could hear, back off to the, uh, to the east of us, I could hear a, a hen calling. Look, 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 look. And then you could hear a gobbler responding. Back on the other side. And I wasn't sure whether the, the hen was actually a hunter who was, had a hen call or whether it was actually a hen. But I listened for a while. It's, it's fun. It's beautiful. It's relaxing. And yet, that creation is bound up in a cycle of suffering and death. It really is. It's vicious. I mean, there's no mercy. You know, we, we see hawks sometimes, and you'll see a hawk drop down and come up with a creature, a little a rabbit or something in its claws. And that creature is wriggling and terrified, but it's going to die because it is part of a cycle of death. You know, creatures are, are simply made. They're, they're, they're living in a way. I mean, rabbits, rabbits are fast. They can run fast, and they can multiply even faster. And that's the way they stay, that's the way they survive because they're hunted and killed and destroyed constantly. It's just not a pleasant world. I, sometimes if you, if you want to see a graphic illustration of this, go to YouTube sometime and watch you know, things like lions hunting their prey. There's no mercy. It's just a, it's a world, it's, 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 a, it's a creation that is bound, not willingly, as Paul says here, but because of the sin of mankind. But he's saying that that creation will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. We are already free in spirit. We're not free physically, but we're free in spirit. And in that day, our created bodies and the creation of the whole world will be set completely free with the same liberty that we have here today in our spirits. And that's going to be beautiful. I don't know exactly what that means in terms of how that's played out. 
I personally think there are going to be animals in heaven, but I could be wrong. But I think they'll be there, and I think they'll be peaceful. I mean, and, and, and I believe in this new world that God creates. Creatures will be peaceful. He talks about the lamb and the lion lying down together. And I know that's symbolic, but I, but I think it's also true. I think we're going to see a, a, a different sort of nature, a free nature, with a free people, freely serving the God they love. So I just want to encourage you, even though you may sometimes struggle, in a world of corruption and evil, in a world that cannot be completely free, and even as we in America see some of our freedoms slip away because of the wickedness of our, of our society and the refusal to understand what true freedom is, even though that may happen, as Christians, we can be free in here. You know, there's, we talked about prison, and we've been involved in prison ministry, and I know many of you have as well. And... You meet people in prison who are far more free than other people on the street because they are free to be who God has created them to be. Their, their actions may be controlled in a very rigid way, but their spirits are free. They can freely praise God. They can be happy. They can be who God created them to be, even in prison. But when you're out on the street bound in sin, you cannot be what God intended for you to be, and therefore you are not truly free. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you this morning for freedom in Christ, freedom from sin, freedom from the law, freedom, Father, from blindly following one another and, and free, Lord, from the dictates of the flesh and all the things that go with it. Help us, Lord, to love that freedom and to hold on to that freedom, as Paul said in Galatians, to stand fast in the liberty wherewith you've called us to be truly free, to be the people you want us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.